the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here in the beginning of Romans, we read that God gives them over and gives them over and gives them over from sin to worse sin to worse sin. Is there an answer? There certainly is. Join us. Most churches these days, they want to talk about the love of God, but they don't want to spend time understanding what brought God to the point of giving us that love as vastly as he does. Lavishly, says 1 John. Well, today we take a look at the righteous judgment of God. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 is where we catch up with Pastor Gary Wagner as we begin today's broadcast of Abounding Grace, taking a look at God's righteous judgment so that his righteous mercy and grace might flow freely. Here's Gary with more. It's not pleasant to hear such words as we heard a few minutes ago, particularly verse 5, that some have called one of the strongest curses in the Bible, treasuring up wrath for the day of judgment. But you know this dreadful curse, even in the godly, should strike our hearts with a holy fear. A thought of, I need to run to Christ and to believe in Him and give my life to Him. I need to cling to His word and His promises. Because even though this section, this curse, is aimed primarily against the Jews who boasted in their circumcision and their covenant and being descendants of Abraham, it also cuts into our hearts as well. I mean, are we humbled by God's goodness? He gives us all of these blessings, and we pray and we thank Him for them, like our health and jobs and family and peace. And He gives us the higher blessings of forgiveness and mercy and love and His presence, yet quite often our hearts are very cold and hard. We're not like, verse 4 says, God's goodness doesn't often lead us to repentance. Very often we're like the Jews. Remember how Stephen characterized them in the sermon he gave before he was stoned to death? He said, basically, God blessed you with all these gifts of prophets that he sent to you over and over and over. And what did you do? You were stubborn and stiff-necked. You wanted the gifts, but you didn't want God himself. And we are sometimes like that. We can see a parade of goodness going by in our life, and we have to stop and think, Remember, we don't measure God's goodness by good housekeeping and the world. We measure it by what we truly deserve if we are honest with ourselves. And what do 
I deserve. I deserve to be laid out in a sick bed with cancer. I deserve to be covered with boils and leprosy. I deserve for my house to be burned down. That is what I deserve for my sin. For God to treat me as my sins truly deserve. And then when you look with a little bit of self-honesty at what you deserve and what you really have, God's goodness is overwhelming. We ought to be singing. We ought to be content and move to obey Him all the time. We ought to want to worship Him with pure hearts and devote ourselves to Him. There should never be a complaint come out of our mouths. Wives, do you know what kind of husband you really deserve? You deserve a husband who has a cat of nine tails and beats you 24 hours a day. Husbands, do you know what kind of wife you really deserve? You deserve a wife who yells and screams at you and beats you and poisons your dinner. That's the kind of wife you deserve. Children, do you know what kind of parents you deserve? You deserve parents who curse you and beat you and who leave you out in the cold on a 20-degree night without a blanket. That's what we all deserve. Now, I know we're Americans, and we certainly think we deserve better, but we deserve nothing of the kind. When you consider what our sins are like and what they deserve, and yet look at what the Lord has done for us, that he laid all of our sins and filth upon his Son. Everyone in here should be filled with singing 24 hours a day. I'm not. I'm vile. Everyone in here should ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to love my sorry husband? Do you want me to love my sorry wife? Do you want me to obey my sorry parents? Okay. Whatever you want me to do. That is how God's goodness should melt our hearts to repentance. Where we see a complaining spirit, a bitter spirit, as we often do. We have to understand this warning comes to us too. It's not just for the Jews who were true hypocrites. But we are often hypocrites in the same way. If we despise and, or don't appreciate God's gift, he is not going to sit idly by, Paul says, and just let his goodness be trampled upon. Notice what Paul says in verse 5. If you are hard, that is, not melted by God's goodness, if you are impenitent, then we are not willing and we then we are not willing to turn our from our sins and repent and remember what repentance is repentance is not merely telling god i'm sorry you know we have bad repentance before god why because we have practiced bad repentance in our human relationships real repentance is not saying to your wife or husband hey i'm sorry can we just be at peace once again? Hey, I'm sorry for hurting your feelings. 
hey, I'm sorry for thinking what I thought or what I said. That is not repentance. That is not really being sorrowful. That is wanting the light of guilt to go away so I can go back living like I please. Repentance is when we hate our sins and we mourn over them and turn back to God and walk in all the ways of his commandments. But if we don't do that, what do we get? All of the gifts of God, all the gifts that God gives us, Paul says in verse 5, we are depositing those gifts into a bank account of wrath. Now think about that for a minute. We wonder sometimes why nations go through such difficult times and we see so much of God's judging hand in this nation. We wonder sometimes why are our own lives marked by God's chastisement? Well, we have to understand God never forgets any of his goodness to us. Not to hold it over our head, but to say, do you love me? Did you truly give yourself to me? Did you deny yourself? Did you say, Lord, you have been so kind to me. Thank you. I'm going to turn from my sins. But if we don't do that, then all those good gifts of God are just being treasured up to increase our judgment. And notice on that last day, verse 5, what he says there. Against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgments of God. And every one of those words is important. The day. The hypocrites may escape or seem like they do scot-free in this life. I've been hypocritical many times in my life and I really didn't even feel a pinch from God as I should have. Some of you have probably had the same experience. In this life, many people wear a mask, even in the church, and it looks like everything is going okay. But there is coming a day, a moment, when all of those masks are going to be ripped away, and it will be a day of wrath, not just a pinch. Now, we have got to be careful when we attribute wrath to God. Because when we think of one of us being wrathful and storming through the house and knocking holes in the wall and screaming and yelling, that, of course, is not like God. Because his wrath is a lot worse than that. But it's also a lot holier. God's wrath, listen carefully, God's wrath is his holy, restrained, self-possessed, totally in control, opposition against everything that offends his holiness. What do we think about people when they're yelling and screaming at us because they're just simply mad at us? Well, myself, I just try to put them off. Because if someone is going to yell and scream at me, and I really may have done some things that were wrong. But I'm not going to put up with anything like that. I can't even digest it when people are yelling and screaming and throwing things around. But that 
is not even like God's wrath. God's wrath is His holiness set afire against sinners. And there is coming a moment, beloved, Paul says, that day when that wrath will be revealed. Now, wrath is an important little word. We've seen little hints of God's wrath in our day. We've seen little sparks of it in this life today. We've seen nations struck with all kinds of destruction and violent in their struggles. We've seen men struck with curses and chastisement. But there is coming a revelation, a full manifestation of God's wrath that will make the hurricanes we've seen and will make all the fires we've experienced and will make all of these manifestations of God's anger seem like a sunny day at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk by comparison. So there is a fullness of wrath coming and it will be God's righteous judgment. Now, this is the theme of this little section today. God's righteous judgment. What does that mean? What do we do if we see someone come toward us down the street who looks like they're literally up to no good? Well, I don't care what the PC crowd says. We do profile. God doesn't have to profile. He sees me. He sees you. Everything about us is open to him. Your heart, your secrets, your past, your present, your future. Everything about you and I is an open book. And he doesn't judge by what other men say. He doesn't judge by other men's approval or disapproval. God looks at the criteria of judgment in our day and he just snorts at it. He says, I judge by my righteous character. And there are those who say, how can he do this? That's not really fair. I'd much rather be graded on a curve. I want to dumb that down. Let me tell you something. We often forget about ourselves. Every single man and woman has heard God's voice in the garden in Adam. Every single person who has lived or ever will live has heard God's word. God has engraved upon our conscience a sense of his deity, his majesty, and his power. We know he tells us of his righteous judgment in Romans 1.32. There is a day coming, but we don't want to hear it. We don't want to believe it. In fact, we don't want to believe it will be that severe. We want to dumb it down. But, oh, there is a day coming. Now, what is the standard of judgment going to be on that day? Look at verse 6. Who will render to every man according to his deeds. Now, follow me for just a second here. This is a little bit of a surprising declaration in this book. Why? Because Romans is about free justification, the righteousness of Christ, his obedience in our place, imputed to us, credited to us, given to us. So in place of our filth, we have his obedience. 
So he is going to give to every man according to his works. Yes, you're going to have to listen now carefully for just a minute. This is not taking away from what Paul is going to say later, very soon, about free justification. But it is so universal in the Old and New Testament that God is going to judge according to men's works. Jesus said in Revelation 2.23, And I will render to each one of you according to your works. So what have we here? is not a method of justification, how we are made right with God fundamentally. What we have here is a declaration of what the standard of judgment will be, and that standard will be the works of our lives. Now listen, for all unbelievers, it is going to be a horrific moment. When all of their filth is exposed... And all of the unbelief and rebellion against God's goodness, they will hear those words, depart from me. I never knew you. But understand, believers are going to be judged by that standard as well, but with a little difference. Our works will be judged as they are, or will not be judged as they are in our filth, but as they are in Christ. But understand, it is still works. Now, you have to listen, because I don't want you to misunderstand me. Everyone knows I believe in justification by grace alone through faith alone. But with that justification comes obedience. It's Christ's own life in us. What did he say in John fifteen five? Abide in me and you will bring forth much fruit. Abide in me and you will bring forth much fruit. Philippians 1.11. The fruits of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ. We will be judged in him. In his works. His works of obedience on the earth on our behalf. His work on the cross to cleanse our filth and his work of renewal in us by the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean if your works don't measure up, you won't get into heaven. That's not Paul's point here. Paul doesn't want us to look for loopholes. Paul wants us to take seriously the gospel in its total effects. Let me explain that in a different way. Paul talks about sanctification before he talks about justification. Here he takes us to see the fruits of God's grace before he talks about the basis of it in the obedience of Christ. Now, why would he do this? It's very important, and there are two reasons. One, to cut off at the root all faulty views of grace and the church abounds with them greatly today. It's all about grace today. Duty is a bad word. Obedience is a bad word. A, a sense of obligation is a bad phrase because it's just grace, 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 grace. But Paul says that's not grace. That is license to sin. 
So at the outset, he is reminding everyone, the Jews and us as well, listen, God does take his grace seriously in its totality. Not only the obedience of Christ, which chapters 3 through 5 are going to talk about at length, but also chapters 6 through 8, which is on holiness of life, your life. God takes all of his grace seriously. He takes his son's death on the cross seriously, and so must we as well. But there is a second reason. Because the godly are going to hear this, and they are going to say, well, my works are not ever going to be match up to my profession. Which is why, when the godly hear this, they run to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I need you to cleanse me. I don't have any righteousness of my own. I, I look at your death on the cross alone as a satisfaction of God's righteous judgment against me. And Lord, thank you for being judged in my place. I don't deserve for you to be. I didn't even want you to necessarily, but you took upon yourself all of my filth. And now, Lord, help me to love you as I should. Help me to obey you. Help me to follow verse 7. Look there with me. To them who, be, who by patient continuance in doing well seek for honor and immortality, eternal life. Now listen. How do we know whether we are hypocrites or whether we are sincere lovers of God? How do we know? Our life shows it. Because it is no longer we who live, but it is Christ who lives in us. Now, it's never going to be perfect. And that's why I love the words here, patient continuance, meaning perseverance. We're going to face obstacles in our pursuits of believing and serving God as Christians because we've got the flesh within We've got our sinful nature. We've got the world and its rebellion against God. And animating the world, we've got the devil. And we are going to fall. We are going to be vexed at times. Perhaps Proverbs 24, 16 says, For though a righteous man may fall seven times, but the Lord raises him up. So one mark of those who are going to be vindicated on the day of judgment is those in whom the Lord Jesus has grafted on to himself and puts in them the grace of perseverance. He puts in them the grace to continue to seek him in the face of all of those obstacles. And what is the motive for doing well, for seeking to please God and obey him in all things? What are they seeking for? Verse 7, glory and honor and immortality. They are really seeking these things. What is glory? There are several verses in Scripture that I could refer to, but we'll only look at a couple today. Glory is often attached to the gospel, such as we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Our light momentary afflictions are working for us an eternal weight of glory. I think God's glory here should probably be looked at as our total enjoyment of God. 
our full transformation into the image of Christ, where there is happiness and peace and righteousness and joy in God forever. Paul says that is the motive you have to keep in front of you. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.